Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. To Go Touch Grass. Go Touch Grass. Uh, I'm your host, Millie Tamaris. I'm your host, Elise Morales. And I just have to apologize. I will be anchoring this, but I'm aware that my voice sounds like shit. <laughs> and um, I've been drinking tea all day. I've drank a lot. Like, I've been drinking water. The lady at this coffee shop was like, really nice Mexican lady and she's like I will make you this tea and it's like had ginger and honey and a bunch of shit and still alas alas but I you know it's this it's the season tis the season season for your voice kind of sounding fucked up but unfortunately we podcast so what are you gonna do yeah we're not gonna not Give, give content to our Patreon subscribers. I know, I know. Um, yeah, so I just had this guy over at my house mm-hmm. do the coat rack, and he was like, yeah, um, what, why, what is it with, like, female comedians, they're all talking about farting these days. <laughs> talking about your, your clip of. Because I knew that was gonna, I yeah. knew that was gonna be gold. Um, yeah, for anyone who wants to who didn't hear me talking about being bullied by teens for farting in the free feed it's also a clip that we have shared on our social and for our social i would say it's doing better on tiktok than it's doing on instagram these are it's interesting you never know what's gonna do well where tiktok and instagram are not a one-to-one they love the grimace content they love shit like tiktok loved grimace tiktok loved everything with name obviously but so did instagram and um, TikTok, like when we talk about Christian BBLs too, and now it likes my fart story. Yeah, I have to look back at the Christian BBL thing. The Christian BBL thing, wow, it was really such a blip. It was <laughs> all anyone was talking about for like a, a few days, and then now, near and that's the story. that's the cycle of the internet. Yeah, and I wonder if it was because so close to Jesus's birthday, we can't <laughs> we know, can't be talking about this Christian BBL. Anyway, today's episode mm-hmm. uh, is about Bean Dad. Wow, a story that was not just a blip on the internet. No, it was not. A story with th- that lasted many days, Yeah, I'm going to guess. I did not do the research for this episode, but... What do you know about The Bean legacy Dad? of Bean Dad remains for me. Um, what I know about Bean Dad is that he is a dad who tweeted... His daughter asked him for like, to open beans, and he tweeted being like, my daughter asked to open me, for me to open a can of beans, but I want to teach her to be self-sufficient, so I'm not going to tell her how to open the beans, and I'm not going to, like, give her any guidance about opening them, and I know that this became a very big discourse on Twitter, and then I think, yeah, I think it, like, had, it had, like, a very long life, but I remember it was one that I didn't closely follow at the time, but it was, like, inescapable. So I couldn't not know who Bean Dad was, but I wasn't, like, plugged into the Bean Dad of it all in the moment. I mean, that's a pretty good synopsis of Bean Dad. <laughs> and can you remember what year was Bean Dad? Ooh, what year was Bean Dad? For no, I, Honestly, this is just a gut reaction. 2018? Interesting. What? It was 2021. What? <laughs> what? 
Oh my god, I just screamed into the mic. I'm so sorry, listeners, but what? <laughs> it was 2021. It was January. How can that be? January 2nd, 2021. How can that be, Dad? <laughs> I remember uh, at that time I was dating this guy. And I was just like scrolling through Twitter. And he's like, what's happening? And I kind of summarized it. And he's like, so we like, do we like being dad or do we not like being dad? And well, let's get into it. Let's get into it. <laughs> so who is being dad? Okay. Being dad is John Morgan Roderick, uh, who's a, his Wikipedia says he's a musician, singer, songwriter, podcaster, and politician. He's the lead singer and guitarist of the rock band The Long Winters and was a touring member of the rock band Harvey Danger and co-hosts the podcast Roderick on the Line and Omnibus. In 2020, uh, in September 2011, he began co-hosting the Roderick on the Line podcast with Marilyn Mann. I like to, I wanted to mention that because like, I feel like if you started a podcast in 2011 and you're still doing it, you're going to have a loyal family. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Is I was like, okay, in. that's already an interesting detail to me that he was kind of like a public figure, sort yeah. of. So a, a lot and of he's people. he's 55 now. So, you know, he's not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's why. But he's not like famous, famous that his name is like recognizable to people outside the people who know about his like things. So I feel like that's a perfect storm to have a bunch of people see your tweet, but not know who the fuck you are and be like. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, again, he just has a, he's just like a really well seasoned podcaster. In twenty fifteen, he has another pe- a podcaster called uh, another podcast called Roadwork, uh, with co host Dan Benjamin. Dan Benjamin also has a Wikipedia, uh, so it's like he's with other well known people. Pod- the podcasts are loose form, conversation based, you know, and kind of like irregular, and then. In uh, 2017, uh, the company How Stuff Works announced a new show called oh. Omnibus. I listened to a bunch of How Stuff Works podcasts for a long time, and then I kind of fell off. But like, that's they, a pretty big. Company. It's yeah. I used to listen to the How Stuff Works podcast. Stuff Mom Never Told You was yes. there like feminism one. Um, and there's like a conspiracy one. It's like stuff you they don't want you to know. Um, yeah, I've listened to a bunch of them. They're usually pretty, like, good, kind of easy listening podcasts. Well, Educational. He ha- the show he hosts is called Omnibus, and and he hosts it with former Jeopardy, Jeopardy champion Ken Jennings. Oh. Who also, like, hosts. Yeah. And he hosted for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Ken Jennings, like, I think. I think his story is that like he was a contestant, who a champion who became the host. Yeah. So on that podcast, they alternate each episode. They discuss topics that they quote fear might be lost to history, typically niche cultural trends and historical events. And um, you know, was running from September, um, December twenty seventeen to October. Uh, to August 2019 on iHeartRadio. Oh, wow. And then they shifted to Patreon. Interesting. So they have like a big... Okay, Okay, so this is a guy who does have a lot, probably a lot of Twitter followers. And like, if you're someone who 
is a podcaster that podcasts like to a loyal audience and you're also like teaching them something. You know what I mean? It's historical. I feel like that could go to your head. And I, it's going I, to our heads when, as we teach about the internet. But I mean, if you're like, if people are like, wow, he's the smartest guy all the time. And to me, these are other details about his life that inform how he is and like are useful to me. Yeah. But he's in Seattle. So it's like, it's he's Seattle and he's Gen X. <laughs> so like those two things are like, <laughs> like there's obviously art scenes and things happening in Seattle. But to me, that's not really a place where like people are getting challenged or you're confronted with the realities of day-to-day life. Yeah. You could like very easily live in your like suburban bubble or like, yeah. I mean, not that Seattle's a suburb, but like, whereas like somebody who has a following in New York, I have a lot of friends who have huge followings. They take the train, they see this, they're interacting with other artist friends, they're still, you know, st- taking the bus. You're still, you have your foot on the ground. I feel like in Seattle, and this is me speaking as someone who has not been to Seattle. I've been, so yeah. You can silo yourself off to other people who, like, think and look and feel exactly like you do well, and maybe yeah. become, and if on top of that, you're also, like, Mr. History Guy and people think you're so smart and people love all your ideas. I feel like that's a toxic combination to post something that makes you look really, really bad online. <laughs> well, let's get <laughs> to into not it. having an awareness of how something will be received on kind of a massive level. Well, Elise, on January second, twenty twenty one. Wow. John Roderick tweeted a thread, and all hell. So, like days face. before January six. This was moment. We we don't know if January six would have happened if this hadn't happened. We we actually don't know. True. <laughs> it could be directly. We don't know. I think that the best way for me, I mean, I just really have to cover. I, I was trying to think of like, how can I summarize both and like summarize these tweets and like the ridiculousness of it and everything. But like, I just have to read all of yeah. them. So at least I'm going to read the tweets. I want you to count okay. how many tweets these are. Okay. So I'm going to start. This is a lot. Wow. Just look at me scrolling. Oh my God. Millie just showed me the tablet, the podcast tablet, and it's many pages. <laughs> so yesterday my daughter, parentheses nine, was hungry and I was doing a jigsaw puzzle. So I said over my shoulder, make some baked beans. She said, how? Like all kids do when they want you to do it. So I said, open a can and put it in a pot. She brought me the can and said, open it how? This is tweet one. Next tweet. With a can opener, I said incredulous. She brought me the can opener and we both stared at it. I realized I'd never taught her how to use it. Most cans now have pull tops. I felt like a dope. What kind of apocalypse father doesn't teach his kid how to use a manual can opener? So I said, how do you think this works? Oh yeah, sorry. So I said it's a different tweet. Mm-hmm. How do you think this works? She studied it, applied it to the top of the can, sideways, 
She struggled for it with uh, she struggled for a while, and with a big dramatic sigh, said, "Will you please just open the can?" Apocalypse Dad was overjoyed. A teaching moment just dropped in my lap. I said, "The little device is designed to do one thing: open cans. Study the parts. Study the can. Figure it out. Figure out what the can opener inventor was thinking when they tried to solve this problem." Parentheses. The can opener is also a bottle opener, but I explained that part wasn't relevant. I went back to my jigsaw puzzle. This is a different no, different tweet. She was sitting next to me, or she was next to me grunting and groaning, trying to get the thing. I should say that spatial orientation, process visualization, and order of operation are not things she she intuits. I knew this would. I'm like, I knew this would be a challenge, but it was a rainy weekend next week. Eventually, she collapsed in a frustrated heap. I said, explain the parts. She said, this little wheel is meant to cut. These gears turn the wheel. When you spin the handle, this other wheel looks like a gear, but is it? She couldn't figure out the clamping step, a key element. I said, this Jesus tool is made to be, to be pleasing, but it doesn't have any superfluous qualities. Everything that moves does so for a reason. She said, I hate you. I'm sure. <laughs> she said, I hate you. I know. <laughs> I'm sure she believes she does. I said, you understand everything except how this tool addresses the can. She sighed. Next tweet. At this point, she said, I don't want big beans and marched off. Apocalypse dad went into full, quote, the road mode. Uh, sweetheart, neither of us will eat another bite today. Until we get into this can of beans. She screamed, ah, like Lucy Van Pelt. She read a book for a while. Soon she was back at the can. The top was all dented now. The lip of the can was practically serrated from failed attempts. We studied the tool some more. She really wanted to be or she really wanted it to be oriented up and down or across the top of the can. The sideway the sideways orientation is very counterintuitive. Next tweet. She was fixated on orienting the tool in a few configurations and couldn't imagine other possibilities. I compared the can opener to other tools. By now, we were working on anger management and perseverance. Oh my God. She suggested she open the can with a hammer. There were tears. I said, next week, the tool is made to be pleasing, but it doesn't have any superfluous qualities. <laughs> Everything that moves does for Oh, wait, sorry, this is... Now we're getting repeating, sorry. Wait. I thought he was just saying it again. I, I, I was like, oh, repeating. my God. Here we go. Finally, she squeezed down on it. Although it was a misfire, it a light went off in her head. Many times throughout the day, she yelled at me. My brain is fuzzy. I can't think of anything else to try. And I'd say, when your brain doesn't work, trust your hands. She felt it to a click over the top of the can or over the lip of the can. I saw it in her hands. By this point, she developed a little ritual addressing the tool to the can, starting with it on a vertical axis and rotating it to the horizontal. Oh, while my clamping God. Down, I know, but, like, there's no other way to, like, <laughs> clamping down in a single motion of choreography. She looked down at me expectantly. This is a different tweet. This is like a Substack post. I know. <laughs> it's long. Um, expectantly, excitedly, after six hours of trying, 
You don't want to express too much hope. Was this another blind alley? The can had been through hell. Label ripped off. Dented. Sharpened. Burned. A veteran of a thousand psychic wars. She knew them. She sat up again. Carefully. And brought the swing away bear. On the can of the S&W baked beans. With the meticulous nick of Roger Moore. Extracting a detonator from an ICBM. In the spy who loved me. A soft pop resounded in the room. So different from the other sounds we'd made. Oh my god. She didn't look it up. She looked. She knew the action. A little baked bean sauce appeared. She savored each twist until the lid. As I hoped it would. Uh, rewarded her by standing. Perfectly at attention. Saluting her efforts. And ingenuity. She was elated and carried it to the kitchen in both hands. She knew she was, this was a, next week, this was a commonplace task and a common tool, but this was serious business. She knows her dad and the stock I may put in these things. A more mechanically inclined kid might have figured it out in minutes. She favor, she factored the scale, but was, pr- was rightfully proud. I'm proud of her too. I know I'm infuriating. I know this is parenting theater in some ways. I suffer from lack of perseverance myself. And like all parents throughout history, I'm trying to correct my own mistakes in the way I educate my, my child. She sees through this. The swing away can opener is a little voodoo doll for us now. It, it will reappear as an allegory many more times in her life. You, should, you can be sure. She knows this too. But this is an allegory of triumph. I wish I had more of those. I wish I had more stories like this. The only problem now is that she wants to open every fucking can in the house. I blacked out during that. That was crazy. I couldn't possibly tell you how many tweets that was. I'm I'm shook by how long that was. I thought that this was like one tweet where he kind of expressed that. No. That was... I mean... I feel vindicated on my read that he seems like someone who's very impressed with himself and thinks that he's very, very smart. You know, and those were those were details that I felt like the podcasting details I felt were so important. But to me, I want because as we talk about Well, I just want to hear your impressions of the whole of the whole thing and like Oh my god. I mean, first of all, like to send that many tweets like he obviously wrote that in like a document and then broke it up into tweets because it was also back sorry it was also back when there was a 180 character now oh my god now it's 280 no one yeah it was 140 back it was 140 140. yeah and now it's 280 so that i mean first of all like the way that he writes just sends a shiver down my spine of like the type of person who is like I explained to her that no parts were superfluous and that everything has meaning. And I'm like, oh my God. Can you imagine working with this man? I literally, the fact, like you saying that just like shook me to my core because I can't, like being with him, I can't even imagine like talking to this person about any subject. And I think for me, like, well, something that like somebody had made, a point that was made um, in conversation about season two of The Bear mm-hmm. was that everything that you know is because someone else, like, someone else took the time to teach you. Yes. And my niece 
this summer, my niece, she's 15 now. She's 14 when she came. And she was like, she didn't know how to use a dishwasher. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like, here's how to do it. Load this up. Okay. And I like sat and, and I'm like, now you know how to do it. Like, you know, and it's just like, first of all, in the time that it took him to write all those fucking tweets, he could have fucking, and it, and also, like, I'm sure being a parent, there's little shit that happens like that every day. Yeah. That, like your kids don't know. And it's like, just fucking do it. Like, yeah, it's, well, it's very, number one, the way that kids really learn stuff, as you were saying, is by a parent or adult or someone they trust saying, here is how you do this. Yeah. And then they watch you do it. And maybe they have to do it a couple of times or whatever. That's how knowledge is passed down. Yeah. Are there some things where you could maybe tell your kid, like, why don't you try to figure it out? Sure. Depend. I. I depends on what it is. But for your hungry kid to come to you, for you to realize, oh, I never taught my kid how to do this thing. That's not an intuitive thing. It's something that generally you have to be taught to do. Yeah. Um. And instead of feeding them, I'm going to turn it into this lesson. He said six hour long lesson and say, we're not going to eat until you do this. It's like, once someone's crying, what's the fucking point? I Maybe say once, how do you think this works? And then the little girl can say, I don't know. And then you go, this is how it works. And you open the can of beans and she's learned how to open the can of beans. Just the same as your crazy fucking thought experiment. And I also, the thing that I really hated was that he kept going like, like, uh, executive function is not one of her strong suits. Yeah, or like she's nine. Her. Yeah, and being like, she is not like mechanically minded. And I'm like, she's nine, first of all. And second of all, yeah, a kid that is mechanically minded will take upon themselves to figure out how a can opener works. Like, I know kid, people who, when they were kids, they, like, took stuff apart and put it back together because that's what they like. This kid isn't one of those kids. So don't try to force her to, like, do this weird science experiment for you. Well, also, it's one thing if, like, I could have more grace if, like, the dad is a mechanic or a handyman and, like, there's always tools around the house and they always see the dad, like, doing shit and working on things and whatever and then dog you're a fucking podcaster yeah she's not getting these examples in your fucking i know and the way he keeps being like apocalypse dad so i'm like okay so like because you're a doomsday prepper you're gonna put your kids through these weird fucking trials actually your kid will be more prepared for the apocalypse if you just show her how to do some useful shit and then she'll know there'll be knives in the like she could have stabbed the fucking like. Yeah. She said she. Yeah, exactly. She could have used a hammer. Or a hammer. You wanted her. You wanted her to open it in in the exact way that society wants her to open it. But once society's collapsed in the apocalypse, you're getting the can open. You're getting the can open. But I'm also like, how fucking self-centered are you that you think that if the entire if society collapses, what's going to be left is a white dad podcaster podcaster in seattle yeah like fuck you um Um, i do fully believe i will survive the apocalypse i'll say that i believe that i will sometimes i'm like i mean i think i think we've i made this point before but i'm like the apocalypse movies i'm like 
I just wouldn't fight this hard to be. <laughs> see, the thing like, is, I'm like, you will see me at at the end of this earth with an eye patch, yeah. beret. Yeah. I mean, I'll fucking do it. You say I'll Elise, fucking... and I go, no one's called me that. Yeah. <laughs> no one's called me I'll that since before. That. Since the before. <laughs> I'll fucking, well, you know, and I think, like, the pandemic, it was so funny because it was such a little thought experiment with, like, not, it wasn't an apocalypse, like, things were still, but it felt, like, I'm mm-hmm. talking, like, early, early pandemic. It was so, we didn't know how long it was going to last. Yeah. All this stuff. Well, it was, like, a test in, can you handle if shit gets really crazy? Yeah, exactly. How how, how well in can New you York handle? In New City, in, like, mm. March, April. So, it was, like, my, my roommate left, fled, and it was just me by myself in my apartment. And then my little, like, pod was me and two friends. Mm-hmm. And one friend, I'm not going to name drop her, but, like, one friend, um, she just was completely, like, her mental health was, like, deteriorating. She didn't even want me to be around. Like, yeah. it would make her, everything was making her nervous. The other friend, me and her, like, we were, you know, we would look, oh, now there's to-go drinks. Like, we'd get a yeah. drink and, like, walk around. We go on a lot of walks. We went to the grocery store, like, tried out crazy recipes. That's, like, the thing. And it was, like, it's kind of, like, it reminded me of, like, a quiet place or, like, some things where it's, like, there are people. I'm, like, I'm I'm still that mom who's going to throw a birthday party for a kid. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, I'm going to do, like, because that's what we were doing. We're, like, okay, well, let's have fun. Like, let's make cocktails. Let's figure it out. Make this crazy, like meal that whatever because that's all we have is time you know so definitely just reminded me of that like i'm definitely gonna have the mindset and the puzzle yeah you know to keep going you have the mindset to survive the apocalypse but you don't think that you would fight that hard against like if like zombies and whatever i mean i don't know i'm just like what version of apocalypse i'm not like drinking my own piss for for 50 years (laughs) like so fucking like that's a little much but I don't know. I probably would, you know. But Bean Dad thinks that he would. Bean Dad and that's that's that brings <laughs> that brings us back to the subject of a Bean Dad, Dad, who definitely and, thinks he's surviving the apocalypse. And you know, again, I know that it was a lot. I know I read a lot, but I felt like, in order to really understand the reaction, and also, because that was what was shocking to me. I thought it was like two or three tweets. I remember seeing this. I didn't remember the whole thread, but. It will contextualize the re- the reaction, the backlash, the backlash, the backlash, everything. I think when it is you- important to read the whole thing because of the way he describes himself and, like, the language that he uses and just the sheer insanity of how long of a thing this is just to say that he didn't help his daughter open beans. I The other thing that I thought while I was reading this is, like, I don't know if, like, it, he has a wife or if they're divorced or I'm what, but I would be so fucking pissed hey. if I left my fucking daughter with my stupid podcast husband. And I'm a stupid podcast wife. But yeah. if I left my daughter with my stupid fucking podcast husband and I came home and I said, what have you guys been doing all day? And he's like, oh, she asked me for lunch six hours ago and I've been forcing her to learn how to open a can, use a can opener. 
for the last six hours. And she's actually really hungry. And, like, kids get fucked up by, like, being not on their schedule of, like, eating, sleeping, all of that stuff. She's nine. She's nine. Um, I, could you imagine if you're, like, I'm going to do something for myself. I'm going to take myself on a spa day. And you get out of the spa and you see your husband's trending. Because it was trending. It was like the number one topic immediately at the beginning of the year. Um, Literally, you're like, oh, I wonder what they've been up to. You, you check Twitter. This, yeah, you see the Twitter. Um, yeah, I, I just can't. Yeah, like, again, another, another he had it coming monologue. Yes, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, listen, murder's wrong, but. But you asked for you asked for a lot of attention because he clearly posted this extremely long thing thinking that it was going to be read as really funny and cool and great parenting and look how smart you are. And it's like, you could not be further from how this makes you look. Well, and let's talk about, now we're going to talk about responses. This is an excerpt from a Refinery29 article. The condemnation from fellow Twitter users was obvious and swift. You're an asshole, dude. <laughs> one Twitter user wrote, from one doubt to another, this story is nothing to be proud of. A number of people pointed out how long the child had to wait in order in order to eat to learn her lesson. That's also my thing. I'm like, six hours, dog. You couldn't make a fucking beef Wellington. You could have made like you could have handmade pizza like with fresh handmade dough. I know. And, and instead you're just gonna and, and have like, beans? All of that, All of that for beans, bitch? You could've fucking slow-cooked chili like for six hours like for beans? Like, right, and I'm also you. like literally does he, is his nine-year-old just gonna put these beans on the oven and then on a pot. On a pot. And I, I, that's I, I, so... I don't know, you know. That's also, I would also be I know. I would also be pissed if I had my kid watch my daughter and I'm like, what did she have for lunch? And he's like, literally beans. beans. I just gave her a pot, like, a can of baked beans. I didn't, pre- I didn't prepare them in any way. I didn't, not a, not a vegetable, just a full can of beans. I mean, that, I, that was also my concern, but like, I can't get into like white Seattle culture. Like, <laughs> I just, I don't know. What's acceptable to have for lunch I there. I, I, I couldn't I, tell I, you. I don't know. But I also, another thing that bothered the fuck out of me, I, I have to say, is that, okay, I was working on a dissertation. I had this really big report. I had to, this bitch was working on a fucking puzzle. He's doing a puzzle. You couldn't fucking not do your, swear to God. Um, a number of people pointed out, yeah. Uh, yeah, somebody said, all I'm hearing is that time I told my dad I was hungry and he wouldn't let me eat for another six hours for no good reason or something. Um, others took issue with the term teachable moment, noting that Roderick didn't really take the time or energy to actually teach his child any, anything. Somebody tweeted, teachable moment means explaining how the can opener works, walking her through the process, and then letting her try on her own next time. Somebody else wrote, and of course, plenty of people uh, took the time to give a more direct approach, just open the can and give your child beans, you psycho. She could also, not just, not for nothing, but like cans are sharp, can openers are sharp. She, she could have hurt, hurt herself, herself, too. She could have cut herself. Nobody couldn't look away from the puzzle, at least. 
Um, and then some, uh, this person, uh, Johannes Evans wrote, being dad, like many bad parents, has taught his, his daughter essential lessons. Your needs are less important than mine. I will not help you if you ask me for help. I will praise myself for denying you help. My ego is always more important than you. I cannot be trusted. Literally all of that. Like, I, I'm like, wow. Okay, so she was nine in 2021. It'll be a couple years, but we will eventually hear from B and daughter. We will eventually, I would put money on that one day B and daughter comes forward and tells her, tells her side of the story. But I'm just like, I don't know, like, if you grew up with that as your dad, like, it's going to take a long time for her to unlearn that that's not okay. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Yeah, it, like, she either literally already knows or it's going to take a really long time for her to unlearn. I, I feel like it's one or the other where it's like you realize extremely early on, oh, my God, my dad is a huge asshole and I can't ask him for anything and he's really fucking annoying and other dads don't do this. Or you're like, no, this is good. My dad loves me. He made me not eat for six yeah. hours. It was totally fine. He posted online that I'm not technically um, inclined and that I'm not good at, like, doing tasks and it's fine. Because and... I'm just thinking about, like, Jordan Peterson's daughter. Yeah. And, like, they do content together all the time. And it's But just then you've like... got Kellyanne Conway's daughter. Well. So I she's either. Two paths. Being... Yeah, exactly. Those are... There are two paths you can go. I'm so. I have hope for Baron Trump. I will be very interested. To see. I'll be very because I remember. To see. I remember like it's like a, a vivid memory when he when Trump won, and someone and he was giving a speech and someone said yelled out something super racist like, and tell all the Mexicans something like that, mm -hmm. and Baron Trump Baron Trump's eyes got so wide and he was like shocked at that someone said that. Well, you and have I'm to like, like imagine. I mean, it's not like these are like. He was at, like, a fucking middle school on the Upper East Side. I went whatever, to that school, you know? too. I, you know, and again. Not to again, say there's not racism there, but it's, like, they know, at least, that you're not supposed to yell shit that well, kind of this, shit out. Well, because I did a Story Pirates show mm. there at his school, right? So, if you have in your head, like, the school that Baron Trump goes to on the Upper East Side, I'm thinking, uniform, gossip girl, yeah. super, whatever. It was, like, this super cool, like, progressive school. Like, the cafeteria. They're like, oh, get whatever you want from the cafeteria. It was, like, it was, like, a kind of bodega style. It felt like a college thing where, like, and it had, like, silk, um, little soy milks. Oh, my God. Like, that's the milk that they had. And you can get, like, chocolate, vanilla, and all this stuff, and snacks, and all the kids are wearing normal clothes. And it's, like, super liberal progressive education and the you know i just like it wasn't what it I it was thought. not what you were thinking i mean it looked like a really good school it had like really good funding yeah but like yeah and he didn't remember they didn't move right away so like he did go to like a normal school then he probably moved to dc and went to some like crazy insane yeah that's actually school. i do like, feel like they did a pretty good job of like not revealing any information about him but yeah he and melania stayed in new york for, for a while, while. And I remember because, well, I just remember specifically he was at that school when I went because I went to go do a show there and, like, the security process was just a little bit more intensive. I, w I didn't perform for him. 
Yeah. But it was just more intense than, like... I wonder where he went in D.C. or what happened. Because I know the Obama girls went to Sidwell Friends, but I don't think he went to Sidwell Friends, which is a very fancy Quaker private school that fancy people in D.C. go to. And, like, the president's daughters will go to. Maybe regularly. he went there. I don't know. I feel like... I feel like if he had gone to Sidwell Friends, it would have been a thing. Because the Obama yeah. daughters are, like, so associated with Sidwell Friends. Interesting. So, and for him to immediately go into... I, I feel like I would have heard if he went yeah. to Sidwell Friends. <laughs> well, we gotta, we can we gotta, we gotta move on. No, no, no. Finally, um, there was backlash to the backlash. Mm. Or not back... I don't know if this counts as backlash to the backlash, but, like, there is this whole... So most of the things, most of the responses were like, you're an asshole. I, there was this tweet. It always goes here. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about this. I'm going to read it. Okay. Almost every single disabled and neurodivergent person mm, nah. can tell you a story <laughs> of a child of child abuse they've experienced that is similar to the way Bean Dad abused his child. Make sure your advocacy against child abuse includes disabled and neurodivergent children. I um, think we've taken it a step too far. <laughs> I, I I think we've taken it a step too far with that. Uh, it's such it, it that is such a classic fucking Twitter thing. I know because that's it's, why I included it. Like it's nobody's not considering disabled and neurodivergent children in this moment. This isn't a story about a disabled neurodivergent child. Like, that's not what the story's about. And just because people... He didn't say... I'm just like, he didn't say that she was neurodivergent. No, he didn't didn't say that. And so it's it's always very funny to be like, this... the people who are responding to this aren't specifically mentioning this group, so you hate that group, and you don't care, and you think it's okay for neurodivergent disabled children to be abused. And it's like, no, literally, I don't... It would be... I I would be more... I I would be kind of more fucked up if he was like, my autistic daughter didn't know how to open a can, and so I made her sit there and stare at the can for six hours. I would be like, oh, we're calling CPS. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's like, nobody's like, no, it's actually okay. And that's kind of what that tweet implies. Well, yeah, exactly. And to for me too, I'm like, one, he didn't say that she was neurodivergent. Two, and this is where it gets testy for me. I'm like, was this child abuse? Like, the dad was a dick, and like he did something shitty. But it, I don't know. It he was never... a dick. I think it's shitty not to feed your kid for six hours, but it's like. It's also that very internet thing of, like, being a dick who maybe caused some trauma for your kid. Like, she might have really negative associations with this experience. It's not the same as child abuse. Uh, Just, like, it always goes here. So that's what I thought it was Yeah, if he was like, like, I'm consistently not feeding my daughter when she's hungry because I make her do insane puzzles, then it would be a bigger conversation but he's just being an asshole and like yeah being an asshole can have negative effects but it's not child abuse um so i just thought that was so crazy this tweet um and i was just like it always has to go to some somebody's always bringing up some shit that has not like and also i just thought like i just don't think this is child abuse 
And this is getting no. ridiculous. I so, don't think it's child abuse. I think it's being an asshole. Yeah. And that's different. So, Roderick eventually responded to the backlash, and he tweeted, the only, the only thing people are touchier about than parenting style is dog ownership. Then he, he attempted oh, a piece. how not to deal with being the Twitter main character. So, <laughs> he then attempted to, like, a few more follow-up tweets defending his parenting decision as well as his choice to share it with the public before deleting his Twitter account entirely. Of course, deleting his account only fueled the backlash fire. Uh, the backlash fire. He got another backlash. Like, and he, he kept, like, trying to be funny and, like, double down and triple down and, like, be like, uh, whatever, and it just wasn't working. And then he finally, like, left Twitter, and then that got a backlash yeah. where someone tweeted, well, imagine, imagine going out known as being Bean Dad. <laughs> which is um i think also part i mean it is like an outrageous story but put out there by someone with a lot of followers like there's a lot of different reasons that this went viral but one of them is because it could be called a very funny name which is bean dad yeah. i think people like just say I, bean dad it's like cellar door is considered like the most beautiful like english language there's this thing about cellar yeah, door yeah, yeah. supposed to be like the most beautiful thing like i think bean dad has a ring to it, an internet ring. Well, oh, just like we went to the neurodivergent disabled <laughs> path, we got to go down this path. Okay. Where some users, before he deleted his tweets, which I think has deleted his Twitter, um, which I think caused him to delete his Twitter, uh, people were going down a deep dive of his content. And at least okay. it's not good. Can I, I very yeah. Heath Miller tweeted, okay, I've just been sent some of some of the greatest hits of Bean Dad. And I'm thinking, parenting aside, maybe he's not that good of a dude. Just throwing that out there. And the first tweet is from 2012, and it says, at Dave Anthony, I'm going to rape you the next time I oh, see you. Oh, my God. Bad rape, not funny rape. That's oh, my God. That's one tweet. Wow. <laughs> the next tweet is from... Oh my god. Yeah, the next tweet is um from 2013 and it says maybe the white half of you went to law school that oh maybe the white half of you that went to law school can get the black half out of jail on some boohoo technicality. What? So I think he was replying to somebody who's biracial um who was a biracial lawyer that like whatever what the fuck? And then someone says, um, the fourth one, another says, he was responding, somebody said, oh, I guess he was in an, an argument with someone, and that person, the same person, was like, it sucks when people get off on a technicality while your Fourth Amendment rights were violated, call mommy or something. And then he says, the Fourth Amendment has been perverted by activist Jew... Mud people apologize. <gasps> the founders intended USA as a white homeland. What? Okay. And then finally the <laughs> last. Oh my God. These are so bad. These are so bad. The last one uh, said, my armored car just arrived and surprise, full of Jew lawyers. We're taking oh my guns, God. taxing, then suing the survivors. So 
To be fair, he grew up in Seattle and Alaska, so I'm pretty sure he's used to a white homeland. <laughs> wow, those are really, really bad. Those are really, really bad because I I had a feeling that this ended in his bad tweets being discovered, but in my mind, they were like tweeting a lyric with the N word and like tweeting it out, or maybe Remember, having he's Gen X, and, yeah, or you know, he's have, now, so. or like saying some sexist stuff, or maybe some fat phobic stuff. Yeah. That's like, like, like hate speech for real. So this led to the podcast of my brother, my brother and me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My bim bam. I know them. (laughs) What is that podcast about? It's three brothers and they're like very charming and they're kind of, they're like nice and they're funny. Well, for the longest time, they used John Roderick's uh, song as their theme song for that podcast. Mm -hmm. So um, the song is called It's a Departure. And... Uh, they were using it for a decade. Oh, my God. And right, then, yeah, because that is also a thing is that it's a really long-running podcast. So they tweeted on January 3rd. Wow, days. but Three day, days no, before January 6th. Three days. <laughs> we have no idea that well, January 6th is about to happen. <laughs> for reasons we're sure you're all aware of, we're, we're getting started finding new music for Mabim Bim. You'll probably hear a filler theme song on this week's episode. We're not sure what will come after that, honestly, but we hope you'll stick around to find out. Uh, then the next week, we appreciate John for letting us use one of his songs as a theme for a Bibbam for nearly a decade, but his response to today's situation is emblematic of a pattern of behavior that's antithetical to the energy we try to bring the things we do. So it's time for us to move on. Yeah, I mean, I would say that what I know of that podcast, because I, I actually used to listen to a spinoff with one of the brothers and his wife called Sawbones. It was about, like, medical history, and it was fun. Um, she, like, it, I think they try to have a very wholesome vibe. So having yeah. someone who's tweeting, I'm going to rape you not the is funny probably rape. not. What is the funny rape, by the way? <laughs> yeah, someone who's tweeting, like, the United States was meant to be white. That's, I think, not, not the, the vibe that those dudes are going for, really, at all. Well, Ken Jennings. <laughs> I forgot that Ken Jennings, Ken Jennings. <laughs> now has to respond. But Ken Jennings, like, this is what Ken Jennings wrote. If this reassures anyone, I personally know John to be a loving, attentive dad who tells heightened fur effect stories about his own Irascibility. Irascibility, uh, I bet. That's how these guys talk. <laughs> That's how these fucking guys talk. So he tells Heightens for effect stories about his own irascibility on like 10 podcasts a week. This website is so dumb. And then somebody wrote, replied, what about his weird anti-Semitic shit? And then Ken Jennings said, if we're word searching through old tweets now, it's pretty easy to find what he actually thinks about anti-Semitism. On our show, he's always the pro-Israel one. Which oh. now, I mean, now we know. Pro-Israel does does not equate I'm anti-Semitism. Like, yeah, it does not equate anti-anti-Semitism, exactly. Miss 
Elise Stefanik. Well. Uh, yeah, that. I mean, the thing is, if we're word searching old tweets, I, I've deleted my Twitter, but I did word search my old tweets in the past. And guess what? I wasn't saying any stuff. Like, I, know. I wasn't saying, yeah. America should be white. I'm going to rape you. I mean, my tweets, I definitely, one time, like, I did this, like, game or something where they re- they made you explain your old tweets. And somebody re- resurfaced, like, a tweet from, like, 2012 where I was like, I'm cleaning my room for this date, so I better get my pussy ate. Like <laughs> yeah, like I'm not saying my old tweets aren't can't wouldn't be able to embarrass me, but I'm saying they're not again white supremacist hate speech, no. which is crazy. And that's the thing is like, I don't think Mabim Bam or Ken Jennings would have had to say anything if it was just the Bean Dad conversation. But once these tweets come up, then it's like, yeah, you actually can't. This is actually really bad. Yeah. So, um, John wrote an apology, and I want you to read the apology. Okay. And it is long. Oh, yeah, I'm like, well, if the original story is how long it was, I mean, this is going to be... Okay. It's titled... An apology. It's actually titled and dated. Seattle. January 5th. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, he could not ask for a better, like. Yeah, I guess that's one way to stop being the trending topic. Yeah. (laughs) Like, being dead was out of everyone's life. Yeah. So it literally was a life cycle of less than a week. Yeah, it's like, bro, you actually have 24 hours and then we're going to have a lot on our mind. <laughs> um, People are going to steal Nancy Pelosi's PowerPoint. Computer. Yeah, exactly. There's actually going to be shit on the walls of the Capitol in like 24 hours. So, <laughs> um, All right. Title. An apology. Hi. Dot, dot, dot. I deactivated my Twitter yesterday in a panic. I had to reflect on what I'd done and the hurt I'd caused, and my mind was clouded by an unprecedented flow of new information. Can you guys tell I've been recording audiobooks all week? I want to acknowledge and make amends for the injuries I've caused. I have many things to atone for. My parenting story's insensitivity and the legacy of hurtful language in my past are both profound failures. I want to confront them directly. My story about my daughter and the can of beans was poorly told. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't share how much laughing we were doing, how we had a bowl of pistachios between us all day as we worked on the problem, or that we both had a full breakfast together a few hours before. Her mother was in the room with us all day and alternately laughing at us and telling us to be quiet while she worked on her laptop. We all took turns on the jigsaw puzzle. I framed the story as me as an asshole dad because that's my comedic persona. Oof. Mm. And my fans and friends know it's a bit. What I didn't understand when posting the story was that a lot of the language I used reminded people very viscerally of abuse they'd experienced at the hand of a parent. The idea that I would withhold food from her or force her to solve a puzzle while she cried or bind her to a task for hours without a break all were images of child abuse that affected many people deeply. Rereading my story, I can see what I'd done. I was ignorant, insensitive to the... (laughs) 
insensitive to the message that my pedant dad comedic persona was indistinguishable from how an abusive dad acts, thinks, and talks. I woke up yesterday to find that I had become hashtag being dad. <laughs> I was a locus for a tremendous outpouring of anger and grief. It took me hours to fully gasp. I reread the story and saw clearly that I'd framed it so poorly, so insensitively. Bean Dad, full of braggadocio and dickhead swagger, was hurting people. I'd conjured an abusive parent that many people recognized from their real life. I am deeply sorry for having participate. Uh, I am deeply sorry for having pre precipitated. I am deeply sorry for having precipitated more hurt in the world for having prolonged or exacerbated it by fighting back and being flippant when confronted, and for taking my Twitter feed offline yesterday instead of facing the music. I wish the parents I modeled didn't exist. I wish no one had to grow up with a parent who tortured them physically or emotionally. I would never intentionally make light of those experiences, and I'll never underestimate again the pain I can cause with some poorly chosen words and by acting defensively when challenged. As for my racist, anti-Semitic, anti hurtful, and slur-filled tweets. <laughs> Sorry. It's just as you're typing that sentence, you have to have a moment where you're like, fuck. <laughs> as, as for the many racist, anti-Semitic, hurtful, and slur-filled tweets from my early days on Twitter, I can only say this. All of those tweets... <laughs> Sorry. All of those tweets were intended to be sarcastic. <laughs> I thought that being an ally meant taking the... Oh, no. Okay. I thought that being an ally meant taking the slurs of the oppressors and flipping them back to mock racism, sexism, homophobia, and bigotry. I am humiliated by my incredibly insensitive use of the language of sexual assault in casual banner, banter. Uh, hold on, I'm going to take that sentence again. I am humiliated by my incredibly insensitive use of, of the language of sexual assault in casual banter. It was a lazy and damaging ideology that I continued to believe long past the point that I should have known better, that because I was a hipster intellectual from a diverse community, Seattle, uh, it was okay for me to joke and deploy slurs in that context. It was not. I realized sometime in the early part of the decade, helped by real life Twitter friends and twi real life friends and Twitter friends too, that my status as a straight white male didn't permit me to repurpose those slurs as people from disenfranchised communities might do. They were injurious regardless of my int intent because the words themselves have power and because actual violence is often prefaced by people saying, I'm not racist, but that was wrong. So I stopped. Yesterday, those old tweets resurfaced and hurt a lot of people anew. People who are close to me, people in my community who couldn't square those words with the person they knew me to be, and people who don't know me going about their business yesterday had to see those awful slurs and feel the hurt those words inspire. They had to suffer this asshole hashtag bean dad casually demeaning them and their friends. <laughs> I deeply regret having ever used those words. I do not want to spread more hate in the world. I want the opposite. 
My language wasn't appropriate then or now, and reflecting on that has been part of my continuing education as an adult who wants to be a good ally. That education is ongoing, and this experience will have a profound effect on the way I conduct myself throughout the rest of my life. I'm a middle-aged, middle-class, straight white male, and I try to be cognizant of that and of the responsibility my privileges entail in everything I do. In this case, it was precisely my privilege of not living in an abusive family, of not being a member of a community that routinely experiences real tra trauma that caused me to so grossly misjudge the impact of those of the language I chose. I have had a lot more, I have a lot more reflecting to do in the coming days, so I'll be taking, <laughs> I'll be taking a hiatus from public life, Selena Gomez, to let some of these lessons sink in. I apologize to my partners, my friends, and to the people affected by my words for the hurt I caused. Whew. He really, he really thinks he's a good writer, and he's not. He thinks that he is really good on the page, and he actually just kind of said the same thing over and over again for many, many sentences, and came off not very genuine, I would I say. feel like there's a whole, before we get into the apology, <laughs> there's a whole genre of, um, people and I you know I come up with, with this a lot like I think because how I look and all this stuff like getting into insecurity or whatever of like people don't really think I'm as smart as I am mm -hmm. or you know nuanced or critical like able yeah. to like and I feel like I have, even Cardi B like yeah just that's somebody who like that's like a gold star of like yeah she's very analytical she's very whatever but and people are always like Cardi B said like this thing about the economy and it's like well yeah she She's, yeah but exactly. gets the same fucking push alerts as you dude but the the inverse is this is that mm -hmm. there are people who think because they you because they're white men and they use big words that whatever that they're the fucking smartest people in the world and yeah so how do you feel about this apology like, I think it gave me, because of the length of it and, like, the the flowery language of it and the way he's, like, kind of falling over himself, it gave me a very similar ick to the original thread, which yeah. is not what you want to do. I think there were some genuine pieces in there. Yeah. Um, but if I were Bean Dad's editor... You got to make it less than a page. You got to make it like screenshotable. Yeah. Like that's the beauty of the notes, notes app, app apology yeah. is that you got to just say like, I'm sorry. I did not realize that it would conjure up these images for people. My old tweets are totally unacceptable. I'm sorry to everybody that I hurt. I'm going off social media to focus on what matters. <laughs> I know. I think the two. So there was. Like, to me, it wasn't the worst apology because there was acknowledgement of, like, like this was unacceptable yeah. or, like, I fucked up, which I think is important. Yeah, I think and you have to detailed, say specifically. And he detailed how he fucked up. The thing that really bothered me, and this is a trigger for me because one time, like, and I think I, I've brought this up a few times about how I was shopping in the Berkshires. Yes. And um, I got accused of 
shoplifting and I wasn't. I remember that. And I was humiliated and whatever. And it was like really intense for me. And then I posted about it. Um, and then it got, it went viral a little bit. And then the store owners reached out to me. And his apology reminded me of the store owner's apology. And the store owners, what they said to me, which I never posted anything that they said to me. Yeah. Because I, you know. Well, what they said to me was like, we didn't discriminate against you, but we understand that you live in this world where that is a reality that you live in and that's like an unfortunate, that's an unfortunate part of real, of your reality. Yeah. Is that people, and they never even outright said like racism or whatever. Like, no. they're like, we understand that you live in this reality that where you're discriminated against. We were not engaging in that. Like, but we understand how these actions could be interpreted yeah. as that. But we were basically discriminating against you because we thought you were a college kid and we get shop. That's their excuse, right? Yeah. But it's like just completely skirting the whole thing of like, they are not an active member in the society where that's a reality. Of. Yeah. They view themselves as a separate part of the reality of discrimination and racism. Yeah, and they're like, also not aware enough to know what it means to go up to a black woman who's shopping in your store and accuse her of shoplifting. Like, to have no awareness of that and then be like, this moment taught me that... Uh, it's actually fucked up to do that. And it's like, wow, you guys are, those are like boomer people, right? Who own that store. No, they were Gen X. Gen Gen X. X. And this guy's Gen X. Like, they were not that old. The woman was like in her 40s. Like, couldn't be over 46. Like, both of them. And then then it became this whole thing. I didn't respond. And like, I mean, not to get too much in that situation, but like, then they try to guilt me into like, my wife's having ideation. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember. Well, that I remember is that they were like, people are are giving our store one-star reviews and my wife is going to kill herself because (laughs) of it. And it's like, okay. um, And, yeah. So that frame, again, that that triggered me when I read, when I heard the apology, that triggered me into that kind of thinking of, like, this toxic thing where it's like, well, I'm not racist, but I can see that other people live in this reality and because and I wasn't cognizant of it. So this is excusing my, but it's just like, you're an active beneficiary, participant, and all this shit of this stuff. And that's one thing I didn't like about. And the other thing that I didn't like about his apology is like, just a huge fucking faux pas I can't believe it's taken this long for us to mm-hmm. get into it of like tweet and delete. That yeah. shit bothers the fuck out of me. I understand. You don't want, I get it, whatever, but I hate when people fuck up and they delete the whole thread. Yeah. So that like, what? So what? Like, you know, especially if people are having conversations about what's wrong with this and stuff. I just, I hate that. And I feel like I'm less, I guess I, I understand, well, I, I deleted my Twitter. It wasn't because I had become being dad, but I do get the impulse, like, the two times that I've had tweets where, like, 
people like the wedding tweet that I had that people had con- conversation about and the um and then one time I tweeted about bodegas I did delete them because I was like I don't want to get these notifications anymore so I think I'm more of a proponent of tweet and delete like I think I guess I just feel like you're allowed to delete stuff if you want and the, but the internet's forever it's not like yeah. you know the thread I still, is still the, exists I guess for me your thing of like wedding yeah right? that's one thing yeah but to me I'm like if you tweet something racist and people are having yeah. a dialogue about it and like things are coming up and you just delete like to me I'm just like no like accept responsibility for your Okay, you don't want kids at your like that. Those are different things. Yeah, I guess I, I think you're always entitled to d- delete whatever. But to me, when there's like real conversation and dialogue being had on your shit, and you're receiving like consequences for your actions and stuff, I think it's cowardly. There's another. Like, I do think when it gets into racism and hate speech and stuff, it's a little bit different. Like if okay, if the racist tweets had not come up and they were like, oh, he deleted the thread and deleted Twitter because he was being dead. I'd be like, okay, I guess you just don't want to be trending on Twitter. Like, it, whatever. You don't have to, like, let yourself be trending on Twitter as being dead if you don't want to. But it is a little different for you to delete immediately after all the racist stuff comes out. Well, and, like, to be doubling down and then just delete it, I don't know. Yeah. I just, it just re- again, that's a whole other triggering thing of, like, this Facebook group. I feel like you were in of, like, I'm not going to say the name, but, like, of female comedians. Oh, the Facebook group of female comedians. Not. Not the, the email chain. No. Different from the email A different chain. one that was smaller. Yes. And more exclusive. Yes. And it, and it was, like, a ri- yes, and it was originally for, like, wellness, wellness and shit. And then it became about um, everything in the world. Well, so this one woman tweeted like posted in this group i think i know what you're gonna say yeah she posted hey my manager's saying that i'm not getting auditions because i'm white (laughs) and then everyone else in the everyone else which is mostly a white woman group was like oh that's so that sucks like blah blah and then i'm like i i posted hey as a woman of color this is fucked up yeah, like, this is a crazy thing to post in the back. Yeah, I remember, and then, like... And then she deleted the whole thing, and it was, like, we were having things where, like, finally people were, like, yeah, you're right, I'm sorry, like, I didn't realize, or, like, yeah, this is a harmful, like, thing to be spreading. And then she just deleted the thing, and I'm just, like, well, fuck you, like, yeah. fuck that, like, don't do that. Like, yeah, I think in the context of a Facebook group, I also feel different, like because it's, is- like, these are actually real, you're having interactions with, like, literally real people yeah. that you are, like, that you know, and this is actually, like, an interpersonal situation that is happening amongst people that are known to each other. I guess I just have, I understand being, like, I don't want to be the Twitter main character. I'm going to try to delete all this stuff and, like, stop getting these notifications and try to stop it, even though I don't think, as we saw, I don't think it, it usually works. It doesn't work by then. Once um, you get to the status of being Bean Dad, it's not going to, it's not going to work. Yeah. Um. I also, I also hate it. I mean, and the whole reason why, again, like, the whole reason, it, it, and again, this also just reminds me of the Noah Shap thing. Oh, of, yes. Like, his sh- shitty apology. I mean, this isn't as bad. This is a better apology. Noah Snaps was really, really, was really, really bad. bad. But 
I wanted you to read the whole entirety of those tweets because Ken Jennings being like, ah, oh, Twitter sucks. Or this guy being like, oh, my thing was misinterpreted. And it's like, no, you wrote 40 tweets. You yeah. wrote, and it just reminds me of Noah Schnapp being like, my words were misconstrued. And yeah, it's my like, views are being misconstrued. And it's like, I don't know, you were in a video that had people holding, like, no, Zionism, Zionism is sexy, sexy oh, like, over, stickers. Like, yeah, like, and it's like, no, you have, you, you tweeted 40 times about this. Like, yeah, like, it's not that Twitter sucks. Like, yeah, Twitter you, does suck and like, but not this time. And bitch. you carefully constructed an image of yourself again as this like mean bean dad who's going to make your daughter like open this can of beans. And it's like, okay. Yeah, that's actually not something for mass consumption on Twitter for people who don't fucking know that that's your comedic persona, quote unquote. Like, and it is weird to me that you're going to do 40 tweets and you're never going to mention, like, according to this apology, that you guys were laughing and you were actually eating other stuff and you were like, I made her some other food and I said, let's work this out together. Like, there's a way to, if that's actually true, you could have told the story and be like, I wanted to make my daughter learn how to open a can of beans. But I also fed her, and we were laughing, and it wasn't like that. <laughs> but again, it's this whole thing of, like, his whole excuse is, like, I forgot that we live in a world. But it's like, you're so privileged that you're not even cognizant of how you're wor- And, I mean, it is the privilege of being a white man, straight white man, Gen X, whatever, of, like, yeah, you're not caught, like, you get to live your 50-something-odd years of life not having to think about how your words and actions affect people because they never have. And also his whole thing about, like, so that was crazy to me. And then it was, like, this whole thing about, like, oh, well, all racism was sarcastic. I mean, and that like, was the craziest part to be, like... And I wanted was, to, like, reuse the thing of the oppressor. It's like, bitch, you are the oppressor. Yeah. You're a white straight man, dog. Like... You can't... You, you are the fucking oppressor. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, like, I... I appreciate some of what he's saying about being, like, I thought that because I was, like a known hipster liberal that, that I could, like, is, do... That I could... That's fair, yeah. Like, that, that I could, like... Th- sorry. Yeah, that I could, like, play around... Like, that I could, like, speak to it or, like, that I had something... That I could twist it around or whatever. But again, it's, like... You... I mean, you can't. That's a, a very good lesson for all comedic people. Anyone trying to make anything funny should learn is that, like, you really can't play around with slurs that don't belong to you (laughs) i mean yeah and to be fair that really was like 2012 2013 like when he was tweeting this like to be fair that's when a lot of these like like a lot of the slur tweets that like come back to haunt people are from this era of like people were working through that and were trying to like be edgy and all this bullshit and like whatever so like I can give grace there. You know, again, it wasn't a completely terrible apology, but... He should not have made it that long. He should have made he, it that it, long. Like, that kind of, to me, is I'm like, well, you fundamentally didn't learn your lesson because this is too fucking long. Yeah. It should be one page, screenshotable. I really fucked up. I did a lot of harm. I did the harm in XYZ ways. I 
did not realize how my story was going to come across, but I see what people mean now. I'm sorry. Bean that out. Yeah, and it's like, oh, the story was poorly told, and it's like, why don't you just admit you're sorry? I do also, I do feel like it is a very Gen X dude thing to think that this, like, mean, ornery, smart guy persona it's is, funny. like, funny or, like, fun. It's very... It, it feels tired to me in the way that, like, Gen Z will make fun of millennials for having kind of, like, a YouTube person for being, yeah. like, puppers. Even though I don't think, actually, millennials talk like that. But Whatever. It, Gen but, Z, like, cries if they have to, like, call someone on the phone. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gen Z can't use a can opener, that's for sure. Wow. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I do feel like that's a very distinctly Gen X persona that has very much gone out of favor to be like ornery smart white guy nerd who's like you should it does not have any superfluous qualities but it is it yeah, all the pieces are like, working and you know, like hot girl like you know dumb or, or like hot girls are dumb and nerds are smart and cool and whatever yeah. and bullshit like Kind of Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, it's ethos. cool to be a little mean and kind of like not very nice and have no and social no graces. Out. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that is a persona that has fallen deeply out of favor, at least in the way that it was expressed in his weird thread. And I feel like that's what he was like kind of coming to terms with is like, oh, this shit. Like, it, it's a little bit, it's a little dosage of. The bad faith thing. Yeah. But also, like, you wrote 40 tweets about, if it was one tweet, like, I could give grace to, like, one tweet. I genuinely thought it was at max three tweets of him being, like, I made my daughter figure out how to open a can of beans. I did not know that it was, like, this short story <laughs> this novella yeah. like, that he wrote. And that's what makes it a lot, a lot worse yeah and like doesn't make me want to give him grace like it also makes it a lot harder to be like my words were misconstrued or that oh my god twitter sucks yeah no No, you took a lot and you obviously he very obviously wrote that as like a short story piece and then put it on twitter like so it's just very funny it, it's so different than if you just fire off a tweet that's, like, one or two tweets and it's clearly in the middle of your day and, like, the way Twitter is often used, which, like, you're not you're just not really thinking about it and then you move on and then you're like, oh, shit, you know what? I didn't really think about this before I sent it. I fucked up. Whatever. It's like, this, like, you edited this. Like, you yeah. sat down. You, this, this was literally, like, a, a short story. And that's why it, it pisses me off that, like, he deleted it because I'm just like, you flopped, babe. Yeah. You flopped and your shit's coming back to haunt you. I don't think you're a terrible human being, whatever, but sit in it. Yeah. You know, whatever. So. At least until tomorrow because tomorrow is January 6th. And you. And you. <laughs> well, you know, an update. John is out here. He's thriving. He's still posting. He has 17,000 followers on Instagram, he posted a picture of his boots yesterday. He's posting a boat every day on Instagram. Cancel culture isn't real. Cancel culture isn't you real. You can be being dad and you can come back. Well, there's a podcast 
um, where it's titled Being Dad Redemption Arc. And here's the description. And then I'm going to tell you, and then I have like a game. Okay. So this is the description. Musician and podcaster John Roderick's most enviable and enviable accomplishment was becoming Twitter's main character from January 3rd through January 5th of 2021. <laughs> We're cracking that uh, open that can of beans to get the real story and talk about surviving cancellation, losing friends, and what we can learn about broader cultural friends. So it's this podcast. Can you guess who hosts the podcast <gasps> that brought John Roderick? Is it Jordan Peterson? No. <laughs> I'm like, did Jordan Peterson? It's a woman. It's a woman. Barry Weiss? Amanda Knox. Ah! Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. So it's on the Amanda. So you're curious. Very funny. I know. So if you're like, curious, Amanda Knox, you don't have to associate yourself with Bean Dad. You were wrongly accused. <laughs> well, the, 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 her podcast is called Labyrinths Getting Lost with Amanda Knox. And it just goes deep dive into different things. And there's an episode on Bean Dad. So you can hear from the horse's mouth for an hour and a half. Wow, she interviews Bean Dad for that amount of time. An hour and a half at least. I'm, I mean, it makes sense. He's definitely very uh, loquacious. That's probably the word he would use to describe himself is loquacious. Well, I mean, <sighs> that was a lot. That was a lot. That was a long journey, and it was not great. <laughs> not that yeah. your anchoring wasn't great. It's that the journey of no, being dad. Your anchoring was perfect, and your no voice, voice sounded yeah. amazing. No voice at all. Tweets, but it was just, it was shocking the length of these like things that he was sending Jenna's. out. I really, yeah. Edit your, I, shit. edit your shit. Kill your darlings. Kill your darlings. That's someone needed to tell him also. Kill your darlings, kill dude. Kill your darlings. Well, that was another episode of our special series Search History. Wow. Where we deep dive into a certain thing. Give us a positive rating or review if you like what you heard. And we should have a poll up uh right around when this comes out or before or a little bit after. I don't think we've decided about the next search history yeah so, so we'll decide what we want to get it to. yeah so make sure that you i think it's only ten dollar patrons that can vote I, I feel like everyone can vote only ten dollar patrons can listen right yeah so the next one this one will be available to five and ten dollar patrons the next one that you guys vote on will be available to the ten dollar patrons yeah so so bump up we need the money guys. Bu- We're dying. <laughs> bump that five dollars up and get all of the search history content yes well, there goes another episode of Go, Go Touch, Touch Grass. Grass. Bye. Bye.